Hey, welcome to episode number 66 of More Than Bread. My name is Dan, and I'm your host for this podcast, your host, your Bible reader and scripture explainer. This podcast devotes about 30 minutes, give or take, to saturating our hearts, minds, and soul with scripture, giving the Spirit of God our ears, our attention for for just a, a bit in each episode. The focus of this episode is John 21. This is the last chapter of John's gospel. Man, I hope this series on John has been helpful for you. Um, it actually has been for me. I, I've talked to a few of you about this, but there's just something about hearing scripture. It, you know, in the days of Christ in the first church, it was very much an oral culture. The written word was there. They had their scrolls, but for, for most people, scripture was read. It was heard. Even though for me, the hearing is only going a few inches from my mouth to my ears, there, there's, still, there's still something deeply enriching in the hearing, the hearing of God's words. Some of you have asked me what's next. Um, I, I'm not sure. I need to ponder that a bit. There will be a next, I think. It takes a bit of, of prep for all of this, but I think there'll be a next. Uh, I've been doing uh, some thinking, thinking about doing a, a similar deep dive into some of Paul's letters, particularly what I grew up calling the popcorn letters, Galatians, G, Ephesians, E, Philippians, P, Colossians, C, Go, Eat, Popcorn, G, E, P, C, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. I I could see doing a a chapter, an episode of, of those four in, in a next series. Uh, uh, so that's a possibility. But another gospel would be time well spent as, as well. Um, Matthew, Mark, or, or Luke. So that's a possibility as well. And then there's always the Old Testament. So we'll see. Um, it, it'll be a few weeks, but, but we'll see. In any case, in this episode, we are at the finish line of John's gospel, John 21. But to set the stage, we, we need to go back to Thursday night in the beginning of Peter's tombstone story. Remember that? Jesus washes his disciples' feet. Jesus shares with a few of them that someone will betray him. That all happens in John 13. And, and, and Peter, with all the bold bravado he can muster, responds, Never! Never! I will never betray you. I'd rather die. To which Jesus replies prophetically, Three times tonight, Peter. Three times. You'll, you'll deny you even know me three times before the rooster crows. They go to Gethsemane. Jesus prays. Peter sleeps. Judas's uh, army arrives. Peter cuts off some guy's ear and runs. But, but to his credit, he followed at a distance to the house of Caiaphas. And, and then his three denials came. He sat in the courtyard warming himself by the fire while, while every bad thing starts to happen to Jesus. Peter's trying to look inconspicuous until this little servant girl came up to him and said, I know you. <laughs> You were with Jesus. Don't know what you're talking about, Peter said. Don't know him. Denial number two and three come quickly. John details them in verses 25 through 27 of John 18. As Simon Peter was standing by the fire warming himself, they said again, you're you're not one of his disciples, are you? He denied it, saying, no, I'm not. But one of the household slaves, you remember this, a relative of the guy whose ear Peter had cut off, asked him, "Didn't, didn't I? Didn't I see you out there in the olive grove with Jesus? And again, Peter denied it. And what happened then? Immediately, immediately a rooster crowed. And Luke adds that detail to this moment of failure when he writes, at that moment, when the rooster crowed, at that moment, the Lord turned and looked at Peter. And suddenly the words flashed through Peter's mind, before the rooster crows tomorrow morning, you will deny me three times. You'll deny three times that you even know me. And 
And Peter, Luke says, left the courtyard weeping bitterly. That's the scene that grabs my heart. I mean, can you imagine that gut punch, heart wrench moment as your eyes meet Jesus' eyes? Not only did you break a promise, crap out on a commitment, but honestly, he's your best friend, the, the man you most want to be like, and you couldn't even admit that you knew him. He left the courtyard weeping bitterly. That was Thursday night. Friday, Jesus suffered and was crucified. He died and was laid in a tomb. But Peter, you know this, Peter went into his tomb the moment their eyes met. All of his props and supports are left at the entrance. All his hopes and dreams are laid to rest. And some of you listening to me right now, you're, you're in a tomb right now. You're looking at the last flicker of light as, as the stone rolls closed on your hope, on your dreams. No one gets through life without some tomb time. But here's the promise of John 21. Your failures are not fatal. God does some of his best work in the darkest of tombs. Let me say that again. Your failures are not fatal. God does some of his best work in the darkest of tombs. It's a mystery that I do not fully understand, but a reality I have frequently experienced. At my worst, when my capacities and competencies are broken, and I find that all I bring to the table is my desperate dependence on God, in those tomb times when all of our pretenses, all of our excuses, all of our pride, all of our false pictures of our own abilities are just stripped away. In those times when my hands are empty and all I have is God. God shows up and does some of his best work in the darkest of tombs. Keep that in mind as I read John 21. And I'll be reading again from the New Living Translation. John 21, verse 1. Later, Jesus appeared again. Remember in John 20, we, we had these uh, multiple appearances of Jesus. But now it says, later, later, Jesus appeared again to the disciples beside the Sea of Galilee. This is how it happened. Several of the disciples were there, Simon Peter, Thomas, nicknamed the twin, Nathaniel from Canaan, Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples. Simon Peter said, I'm going fishing. <laughs> I'm going fishing. I'll talk about this in a moment, but but man, just I don't know I don't know what to think when I hear Peter say, I'm going fishing. What what is it that you would you would do? What would you return to in a in a moment like that? I'm gonna go binge on Netflix. I'm going to go read a book. I'm going to go for a walk. I'm, I'm going fishing. We'll come too, they all said. And so they went out in the boat, but they caught nothing all night. At dawn, Jesus was standing on the beach, but the disciples couldn't see who he was. He called out, hey guys, have you caught any fish? No, they replied. Then he said, throw out your net on the right-hand side of the boat and you'll get some. So they did and they couldn't haul in the net because there were so many fish in it. Then the disciple that Jesus loved, John, said to Peter, it's the Lord. And when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his tunic for he had stripped for work. He jumped into the water and he headed to shore. You know, Peter must have decided if there's ever a chance, if... If I can ever get a chance to just talk to him alone, to just meet his eyes, to, to, to give him a hug, to shake his hand, to, to do a fist bump, just to know that everything, if there's ever a chance, I'm, I'm going to take it. Peter's the first one out of the boat. <laughs> first one out of the boat. Verse 8, the others stayed with the boat and they pulled the loaded net to the shore for they were only about a hundred yards from the shore. 
And when they got there, they found breakfast waiting for them, fish cooking over a charcoal fire and some bread. Bring some of the fish you've just caught, Jesus said. So Simon Peter went aboard and he dragged the net to the shore. There were 153 large fish and yet the net hadn't torn. Now come and have some breakfast, Jesus said. None of the disciples dared to ask him, who are you? They knew. They knew. They knew it was the Lord. Then Jesus served them the bread and the fish. That was the third time Jesus appeared to his disciples since he had been raised from the dead. After breakfast, Jesus said, Simon Peter, said, asked Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? And, and, and there's some conjecture about what Jesus is referring to when he says these. I kind of think he was referring to the fish. Some, some wonder if he's referring to the other disciples. Simon Peter, do you love me more than those guys love me? But I, I think it was the fish. Simon, do you love me more than you love work? Simon, do you love me more than you love going back to normal? Simon, are you still willing to follow me? Do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, Peter replied. You know I love you. Then feed my lambs, Jesus told him. Jesus repeated the question, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, Lord. You know I love you. Then take care of my sheep, Jesus said. And a third time he asked him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was hurt that he asked the question a third time, a third time. Three denials a third time. He said, Lord, you, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said, then feed my sheep. I tell you the truth, Jesus said in verse 18, when you were young, you were able to do as you liked. You dressed yourself and went wherever you wanted to go. But when you're old, you will stretch out your hands and others will dress you and take you where you don't want to go. Jesus said this to let him know by what kind of death he would glorify God. And then Jesus told him, follow me. Follow me. Peter turned around and saw behind them the disciple Jesus loved, the one who had leaned over to Jesus during supper and asked, Lord, who will betray you? And Peter asked Jesus, what, what about him, Lord? Jesus replied, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? As for you, follow me. And so the rumor spread among the community of believers that this disciple wouldn't die, but that isn't what Jesus said at all. He only said, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? This disciple... John, verse 24, this disciple is the one who testifies to these events and has recorded them here. And we know that his account of these things is accurate. And Jesus also did many other things. I can't help but wonder what those other things are. It causes my imagination to run wild just a little bit out of all the things that that John records in his gospel, all the things, the miraculous signs that are, are, are meant to inspire and instill belief and faith in us, he says he ends the book with. And Jesus also did many other things. The last three years were full of many other things, John is thinking. And if they were all written down, I suppose the whole world could not contain the books that would be written. Wow. On Thursday, Peter denied Jesus. On Friday, Jesus was laid in his tomb. On Sunday, Jesus walks out of his tomb. And John 21 is days. It could even be weeks later. And I'm telling you, Peter still hasn't totally come out of his tomb. Peter's still doing some tomb time. Peter knows that Jesus is live, alive. Peter doesn't, doesn't know if it's his friendship with Jesus will ever be the same. I said I'd give him my life, Peter's thinking. I couldn't even give him my promise. I couldn't give him my words. How could he want me to be his disciple now? 
So what do the disciples do? They, they go fishing. Fishing is what they know. Fishing is, is work. With, with all that's going on, we might wonder why in the world did they go fishing? I don't know. Maybe they were hungry. Maybe they needed money. Maybe because they've been fishing all their lives and when everything else is uncertain, going back to normal has this massive gravitational pull on our hearts. They go fishing. It, it starts with Peter. Peter said, I'm, I'm going fishing. They said, we'll, we'll all come too. And, and so they went out in the boat. I'm going back to what I know. I can't wait for life to get back to normal. I'm going fishing. I don't know what's ahead, but I know what used to be. Can't we just go back to that? See, we, we have a compulsion. We have an amazing capacity to desire to go back to normal, even when normal is our tomb. But what if Jesus is inviting you, is inviting me, inviting us to something new? Uh, a reset of our lives that will catalyze growth and spur us on to a new chapter. I mean, at least in some areas of, of our life, can, can we decide that we will not go back to normal, that instead we'll go forward with Jesus? They, they've gone fishing, a bunch of them. They've already seen Jesus at least once or twice, but just now and, and then, and, and nobody really knows what, what's up. Life is still really uncertain. The future is hazy, but we know fishing. Fishing is what we did before all this craziness started. Let, let's go fishing. Back to our lake, our boat. They're heading back to, to normal, to familiar. They fished through the night and caught nothing. <laughs> but sometimes failure is such a gift. It's almost morning. They're headed in and about 100 yards away from shore. A guy on the beach yells, catch anything? Empty hands go up. The stranger yells back, throw out your net on the right-hand side of the boat and you'll get some. So they did. And they couldn't haul in the net because there were so many fish in it. They look at each other because this seems familiar. In fact, later, read Mark chapter 1, and you realize that in this moment, Jesus is setting them up. He's setting them up. He's reminding them of his very first meeting with them. They, they throw the nets on the other side, and the nets are bursting. John looks at Peter. It's Jesus. Peter jumps out of the boat and is the first one to shore. Jesus has a campfire going. I love this scene. Jesus is cooking breakfast. Jesus is inviting us to breakfast. It's not all business. It's not all, what can you do for me? Let's get to work. It starts with, come sit a while. Come sit a while. Come join me, Peter. Let's eat together. Let's break bread together. I mean, put yourself there in that moment. Dive into Peter's skin. The, the images he's re-seeing, the, the moments he's remembering, the words he's re-hearing, the first time he met Jesus, they were fishing then. Did the whole throw the net on the other side routine then? And that was the day that Jesus said, Peter, follow me, and I'll make you a fisher of men. Maybe he's remembering other meetings with Jesus in this very same spot. And maybe he's remembering when Jesus took a, a fish and some bread like they're getting ready to eat now, and he fed a whole crowd. Maybe he's reminded of a fire in a pit near the home of Caiaphas, a fire that he warmed himself by as he denied that he even knew Jesus. Jesus breaks off a piece of the bread and he gives it to him. Does Peter remember that Thursday night? The Thursday night words that were spoken just before he promised Jesus he'd never deny him. Peter, this is my body broken for you. They finished breakfast and with everyone gathered around it, <laughs> it was time for resurrection. And verses 15 through 17, we see this scene. Just imagine you're there, you're sitting 
by the fire. You're listening. After breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, Peter replied. You know I love you. Then feed my lambs, Jesus told him. And Jesus repeated the question. Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, Lord, Peter said. You know I love you. Then take care of my sheep, Jesus said. Once more, he asked him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved that Jesus asked the question a third time. He said, Lord, you know everything. You know I love you. And Jesus said, feed my sheep. Three times Jesus asked Peter, do you love me? Honestly, I think that's the question each and every one of us have to answer in our tomb times. That's Jesus' question. Do you love me? You see, Jesus knows that, that this moment, this is a matter of the heart, that we sin because our hearts are not satisfied with God. Jesus knows that, that Peter is messed up, and Peter knows that Peter is messed up. And I can guarantee you, Peter now is pretty sure that Peter's going to mess up again, and Jesus would probably agree. But Jesus doesn't even say anything about what Peter did wrong. Jesus doesn't let out with a cock-a-doodle-doo and say, I told you so, Peter. He doesn't even try to work through the steps of what Peter did wrong. Like, Peter, if you just would have prayed a little bit more, this wouldn't have happened. Some wonder if Jesus asked the question three times, do you love me, Peter, to remind him of his three denials. I think that's probably the case. Three denials, three times the question, do you love me? But not, listen to me, not because Jesus wanted to remind Peter of his failure. I think Jesus just wanted Peter to hear his own words in his own ears, time after time after time, affirming, yes, Jesus, I love you. Yes, Jesus, I love you. Yes, Jesus. I love you because in that moment, there was nothing more important than Peter saying, Jesus, you have my heart. So I have to ask you again, who has your heart? Who or what do you love? What would the last few weeks of your life reflect that you love? How would the last few weeks of my life reflect how much I love Jesus? Listen, we're all going to fail, but the question is, do I love Jesus? Three times Peter said, yes, Jesus, I love you. So what does Jesus say? It's in verse 19. It's so simple. It's so powerful. Jesus said to him, follow me. And please hear those words, follow me, through Peter's ears, spoken from a rabbi to his disciples. Sometimes we hear them as a burden. For Peter, these words were not a difficult command. They were a delightful invitation. I'm telling you, he longed to hear Jesus say, follow me. This was his rabbi saying, Peter, I still believe in you. I chose right when I chose you. I have faith in you. You have what it takes to become like me. I still want you to walk with me. Follow me. If you love me, follow me. Peter, the invitation still stands. When Peter looked into Jesus' eyes this time, what he saw was that no failure is fatal. And can I tell you what I believe now? I haven't always believed this, but I started re-seeing, rethinking this story a few years ago as God was leading my wife, Lynn, through a journey of dealing with shame. She shared something she had heard and was pondering. It's always stuck with me that perhaps that was always the way the eyes of Jesus looked to Peter, that in that moment of Peter's three-time failure when the rooster ratted him out and Peter and Jesus' eyes met, perhaps even then Jesus' eyes were filled with hope, eyes of hope, not disappointment. I mean, I've always read that story picturing this look of intense disappointment that must have crossed Jesus' face as Peter denied him for the third time. 
But what if Jesus wasn't looking at Peter with disappointment? What if he was looking at him with delight? (laughs) What if Jesus was thinking, just hang on, Peter, three days. Just hang on for three days. I'm going to change your life and together we'll change the world. Listen, you, you failed. I've failed. We, we've got broken fragments of life all around us. Without Christ, my heart is desperately crippled and I'm not enough. But he is. He heals hurts and puts the pieces back together. And sure, you can still see the cracks, but, but they testify to the Jesus who loves us enough to put the pieces back together again. And even now I can hear him say, I hear him say to you, to me, don't quit. If you love me, you're still on the team. Your failure is forgiven. There are sights left unseen, moments still to be seized. I'll give you what it takes so that you can become like me. You can become so like me, the people, that they can't help but see me in you. Let your tombstone become a stepping stone and and then go from there. Jesus, you know, he has this amazing way of turning endings into beginnings. Turn tombstones into stepping stones. Peter Man, Peter went on to leave a legacy of lives changed because of the one who changed his life. Don't you want that? And it all begins by simply saying to Jesus, Jesus, I want to follow you. I believe you are the Son of God. You are my King. You're my Savior. I surrender. I choose to follow you. I need you. I surrender to you. Fill my heart with your love and grace. (laughs) You've heard me say it before. You heard me say it one more time. So much in John chapter 21. Let me read it again from the message paraphrase. After this, Jesus appeared again to the disciples, this time at the Tiberias Sea, the Sea of Galilee. And this is how he did it. Simon Peter, Thomas, nicknamed the twin, Nathaniel from Canaan and Galilee, the brothers Zebedee and two of the other disciples were together. Simon Peter announced, I'm going fishing. And the rest of them replied, we're going with you. So they went out and got in the boat. They caught nothing that whole night. And when the sun came up, Jesus was standing on the beach, but they didn't recognize him. Jesus spoke to them, good morning. Did you catch anything for breakfast? They answered, no. He said, throw the net off the right side of the boat and see what happens. They did what he said, and all of a sudden there were so many fish in it, they weren't even strong enough to pull it into the boat. And then the disciple that Jesus loved said to Peter, it's the master. When Simon Peter realized that it was the master, he threw on some clothes for a strip for work, and he dove into the sea. The other disciples came in by boat, for they weren't far from the land, a hundred yards or so, pulling along the net full of fish. And when they got out of the boat, they saw fire laid with fish and bread cooking on it. Jesus said, bring some of the fish you've just caught. Simon Peter joined them and pulled the net to shore, 153 big fish. And even with all those fish, the net didn't rip. Jesus said, breakfast is ready. Not one of the disciples dared ask, who are you? They knew it was the master. Jesus then took the bread and he gave it to them. He did the same with the fish. This was now the third time that Jesus had shown himself alive to the disciples since being raised from the dead. After breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, master, you know I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. He then asked a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, master, you know I love you. Jesus said, shepherd my sheep. 
Then he said it a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was upset that he asked for the third time, do you love me? So he answered, Master, you know everything there is to know. You've got to know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. I'm telling you the very truth now. When you were young, you dressed yourself and went wherever you wish. But when you get old, you'll have to stretch out your hands while someone else dresses you and takes you where you don't want to go. He said this to hint at the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. And then he commanded, follow me. Turning his head, Peter noticed the disciple Jesus loved following right behind him. When Peter noticed him, he asked Jesus, Master, what's going to happen to him? And Jesus said, if I want him to live until I come again, what's that to you? You follow me. That's how the rumor got out among the brothers that this disciple wouldn't die. But that's not what Jesus said. He simply said, if I want him to live until I come again, what's that to you? This is the same disciple who was eyewitness to all these things and wrote them down. And we all know that his eyewitness account is reliable and accurate. And there are so many other things that Jesus did. If they were all written down, each of them, one by one, I can't imagine a world big enough to hold such a library of books. So before I pray and close this series on John, let me just say, If this podcast has been helpful, pass it on to someone else. Perhaps even pass it on to someone who has not yet become a follower of Christ. Somebody who's interested but doesn't know much about Jesus. And and offer to listen to the podcast again, the, the series on John, the Gospel of John. Offer to listen together and just talk with them about what you've heard, about what you've seen, about how the Spirit of God is speaking the Word of God into your heart, what it what you're learning and and where he's calling you to lean in. Let me pray for you. Father, I thank you so much for each and every person listening to these words. Holy Spirit of God, would you take the words of Scripture and, and saturate our souls, enliven our minds, wake us up to the reality of of who Jesus is and what it looks like for us to follow him. I pray especially for any person like Peter who's going through a time, uh, a tomb time, a a time of betrayal, of defeat, uh, of failure. Whatever it is, failure in a relationship, failure in their commitments to you, God, failure in life. God, I, I pray that you would remind them, that you would make it so clear to them that their failures are not fatal. That sometimes you do your best work, your most shaping, deepest work in in the darkest of tombs. And I I pray that you would inspire hope. I pray that you would pour your grace and your love out upon each and every person listening. I pray for every person listening who is not yet a follower of Christ. Holy Spirit of God, would you open their eyes to see the realities of the love of Christ, the power and the grace of Christ, the reality of God the unseen things that are even more real than the things that we see. And may you draw, Jesus, many to yourself. It's in your name we pray. Amen.